episode of Neo Reality Collective is brought to you by The Everyday Fan. Check out their content and a passionate group of content creators getting together to create content for the, for the growing community of pop culture, fan base, fandoms, and especially sports such as football, basketball, baseball, professional wrestling, and MMA fantasy sport. Control your content and, set, and set, share your story around the world today. The Neo Reality Entertainment brand expands with a relaunch of the Neo Reality Collective Pop Culture News Talk. Your host, Eric Brown, gives his insights and thoughts in the ever-expanding news world of comic books, professional wrestling, gaming, TV, and movies. Be sure to donate to the brand and keep up to date with additional content on YouTube channels such as Neo Reality Entertainment, NRE The Wrestleverse, and NRE Pop Culture Omniversa. Welcome everyone to Neo Reality Collective. I'm your host, Eric Brown. We're back. And <laughs> yeah, this was about a week or so late. Um plans changed and life kind of got complicated uh but i'm back uh i'm hoping to also catch up on immortal x-men uh reviews and hopefully trying to get all that sorted out but um let's dig into the next episode of neo reality collective pop culture news talk and see what the hell's been going on for the past week so the week of April 18th was Superman's uh, Superman. Like this was the anniversary of the debut of Superman of Action Comics all those years ago. And James Gunn decided to announce that Superman Legacy is now in pre-production. Announcing it, sharing a photo of the completed script, cover page, confirming in his tweet that the movie had entered early pre-production and the team were moving forward with costume production design and more. <clears throat> to get ready before the cameras start rolling, saying, I'm honored to be part of the legacy, and what better day than Superman Anniversary Day to dive fully into the early pre-production of Superman Legacy. Costumes, production designs, and more are now up and running. We're showing the script and everything. So, yeah, despite the anxiety update, Gunn tempered expectations in his reply, asserting that the casting announcements for Superman Legacy are still way off. He tweeted in late March that he had not yet a single talk with an actor as he was preparing prepping material for auditions. Set to hit theaters in July 11th, 2025, it will be the first officially released under the what Gunn and fellow DC Studios co-head Peter Safran are calling the DCU's Chapter 1 Gods and Monsters, followed by Matt Reeves' Batman 2, Part 2, 2025, October 3rd. Once again, we don't have to watch the Flash movie, essentially. So I'm excited for that. I'm hoping to hear more about who the casting of Superman and all these other actors will be, but um, we don't know yet what the full details are. But I'm excited. I, I'm hoping for the best for this movie, and I'm hoping they don't just go with the generic end of the world event because then you'll be wondering why is everyone else. And this should be focusedly grounded on Superman, Clark Kent, uh, involving Lois Lane, Jimmy Olsen, his activities, how he saves the day, saving lives, and, you know, showing the humanity of it all. Uh, 
I'm excited for that. I'm looking forward to seeing what James Gunn has in store and what heart he'll bring to the script. Uh, I'm not saying Man of Steel was bad because, you know, the Zack Snyder fan base tribalists have lost their absolute fucking minds. And, well, it, things have just gotten barely complicated on that front. Even if Zack Snyder keeps saying, look, I'm all right with it. Like, I got to tell my story and I finally got to get my cut finally shown. I'm perfectly content never doing this again, essentially. So, yeah. Lots of hype on that. Meanwhile, City and Director recalls dysfunction around Sage's, Se Sega's uh, shelved Aliens RPG game. So, Obsidian announced that they tried to change that into the 2000s where Alien Crucible, an early Onyx engine game published by Sega, described as a Mass Effect but more terrifying. It was ultimately shelved with little explanation and subsequently forgot until, this, until the past weekend of April 18th when the director, jo Josh Swire, talked about some of what he described as the dysfunction around the project, saying, I got to work on the Aliens RPG from 2006 to 2009. Obsidian didn't have any directors at that time, just leads who were all considered peers. It resulted in a lot of dysfunction when the leads didn't agree on how to do something. And, yeah. Saying in a tweet, there were a lot of cool ideas in the works, but you don't ship ideas. The biggest lesson I learned from the experience is that you have you don't have to have playable levels, you don't have much of a game. There are some exceptions, of course. In the thread that followed, Swear then said that the progress on Crucible was slow and that City had a lot of cool ideas to work with, and you know, you don't ship ideas, and how they don't have much of a game. Thus, Obsidian moved on to the Alpha Protocol, its secret agent RPG that retains a small but favorite fan base to this day. Hey, and yeah. And he also says, I was happy to play Aliens Fireteam Elite because the overall setup was quite similar. Small team, third person with an emphasis on deployables and support actions. The similarities ended there, but it was nice to see the idea could actually be fun in practice. Rest in peace, squad. And he also bit, uh, did open up uh, on an interview about Aliens Crucible back in 2018, interview for IGN Unfiltered, saying when he talked about his ideas behind the game were, while admitting that it was too little too late. As we're seeing, they're owned by Xbox these days, and they're currently developing Outer Worlds 2 and Avowed. So, yeah, I would have been cool to see an Aliens RPG video game. It would have been interesting, different from the shooter shoot 'em up games that we had gotten, and better than how Alien Colonial Marines turned out. Yeah. So, um, sad news going on in the world of gaming. Uh... Uh, we lost Marty O'Donnell years ago to the game to the drama that happened between Bungie and him and the song and the music stuff and then we lost uh, the writer of Halo uh, uh, just recently and now he's at Netflix uh, we now have lost Frank O'Connor he has departed from the company and has decided to leave the Halo series behind saying in a statement by Microsoft saying we thank Frank for his numerous contributions to the Halo franchise and wish him well going forward so there was notice that he was no longer in the company thanks to a um, rumors of a departure on LinkedIn and he also wrote Bungie's weekly update joining Microsoft Studios in 2008 which allowed him to stay on the franchise even after Bungie split uh, 
it, it, it's sad. It, it's sad to see these legends go. Joseph Satin left, and now we have this. Uh, yeah, man. Um, Franco Cars Destination's next plans are currently unknown, as his last G was back in January, and he offered no hints of leaving Microsoft. So it looks like, um... The old guard has officially left Halo entirely, and with Halo Infinite struggling to meet its high expectations, I'm unclear where the series will go to next. Uh, sucks, doesn't it? Like, really does. Meanwhile, uh, because uh, history likes to be overly complicated, Q in Hello Future Me's uh, There's Nothing Fidel, and whatnot. Uh, former Star Wars Battlefront 3 developer, uh, Free Radical Design, decided to reveal that the game was pretty much 99% done. Oh, damn it. <laughs> yeah, so they came out and said, I feel like it's been long enough now to come out and say Star Wars Battlefront 3. Um... The developer who works, Michael Barclay, who's the lead designer for Night Dog, said this. Battlefront 3 was going to be legitimately incredible, and the fact that it got canceled two yards from the finish line is an absolute crime. Gamers don't know what they were robbed of. The 99% complete uh, stuff is just BS. A former employee claimed to GameSpot at the time. A generous estimate would be 75% of a mediocre game. Uh, they continuously missed milestones that the game didn't work in 2007, but the LucasArts was desperate for what was that then a next-gen follow-up to the Battlefront series, and not the least because Star Wars Battlefront as a sequel sold extremely well on PS2 and Xbox. And, yeah. I We had seen some of the trailers and some of the concepts they were having. They even had, develop, they even had some concept art for Battlefront 4 where they were going to tackle into the multiverse theory of Star Wars. Which would have been freaking awesome and incredible to see, but we'll never see that either because, you know, Disney doesn't want to take risk with Star Wars or anything until it lets us go comfortable for them. But, um, yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> we saw some of the information that we... We did see a trailer. There were some info about Battlefront 3 uh, at the time. Like, specifically, more specifically, we were... Going to have, there was apparently in the development process in this video that we got was that we were going to have um, a, have space battles where we fight on land and then we can go into space and the transition was smooth and crisp for what we could see and I was like, damn, how is it that it's been 20 years later and EA doesn't even know how to do that? They don't even want to count to three like, like the other studio, Valve. But, uh, yeah, gamers are going to get gamed, and we're never going to get what we want. Meanwhile, uh, there was a big announcement made, um, from the Game of Thrones universe. Uh, George R. R. Martin has shared more details about Max's newly revealed Game of Thrones prequel series with the working title A Knight of the Seven Kingdoms, The Hedge Knight. Martin took his brother to share information about the series. First, the author explained the A Knight of a Seven Kingdoms is just a series working title, but the final title won't have anything to do with do with Duncan Egg. Martin explained that Duncan Egg sounds like a sitcom. Uh, 
So no, we want Knight in the title, Knighthood, and Chivalry are all are the central themes of the, the stories. Warren says he can't see much about the series right now, but he did show some light about how much the show's fans can expect out of the gate. HBO has given us a green light to fill a full season, not just the pilot, most likely of six episodes, though that is not set in stone, and won't be until considerably later in the process. Uh, yeah, this is heading to that big combined streaming service, um, Max. Goddamn. We already knew that the series is set to adapt the Martin's Tales of Duncan Egg. The original story of these characters takes place in three novellas, A Hedge Knight, The Sworn Sword, and Mystery Knight. These were three publications eventually collected in a compilation book called A Knight of the Seven Kingdoms. Taking place a century before Game of Thrones, when the Targaryen line still holds the Iron Throne, albeit weekly, it focuses on a knight named Sir Duncan the Tall and his squire Aegon, Aegon V Targaryen because the Targaryen dynasty is very, very freaking complicated. Also known as Duncan Egg. Martin Reel in the first season will adapt The Hedge Knight, which tells the story of how Duncan Egg first met during a tournament at Ashfield Meadow. The pilot script was written by Aaron Parker, who wrote House of the Dragons Episode 4, Knight of the King of the Narrow Sea. Martin House, House of the Dragons showrunner are on board as the executive producers. And. Martin said future seasons of the show will adapt the Sworn Sword or the Mystery Knight. After that, things get tricky as Martin says he has even more Duncan Egg novellas planned, even though um, there hasn't been in a while. In fact, he's still trying to finish The Winds of Winter, and last October he said it was about three quarters of the way done. So we might not even get that, even if anything happens with Martin. So, uh, yeah. And then we have to remember he hasn't even written a single page of A a Dream of Spring. So Martin then said this, there are more than than I had once thought. Martin admitted there's the village hero and the Winterfell story, the one with the she-wolves, and maybe I need to write that Dorish adventure too, the slip in between the hedge giant's sworn sword, and after that there are uh, nine more. I just need to finish Winds of Winter and then do either A Dream of Spring or Volume 2 of Iron Blood and slip in a new Duncan Egg between each of those in my copious spare time. And that will keep me ahead of Iron and his merry crew for a few more years. Yeah, damn. I feel sorry for George George R. R. Martin. Forgot him. Also, Netflix has announced the end to an era. It's officially shuttering its DVD rental business. So, what made Netflix Netflix has now been has now been um dis dis disfunct, defunct. On September 29, twenty twenty three, we. We will send out the last red envelope. It has been a true pleasure and honor to deliver more movie nights to our wonderful members for 25 years. Thank you for being part of this incredible journey, including this final season of red envelopes. On spring 2020, September 29, 2023 is the end date. And clarifying further the F, F, facts and questions, Netflix said it will continue to accept returns until October 27. Consumers still paying for the DVD service will be stopping billed. It consumes is subscribed to both DVD and streaming. Their streaming subscriptions will continue while the DVD one is automatically canceled. 
Our goal has always been to continue providing the best service for our members, but as the DVD business continues to shrink, it's going to be increasingly difficult. Making 2023 our final season allows us to maintain our quality of service though the last day and go out on a high note. <sighs> it's an end to an era. It really is. It's going to be a sad day. So Warren Scorsese is currently pissed. You know, how he likes to uh, talk about how many films are not movies. Specifically superhero movies, but uh, yeah. Uh, but Warren Scorsese has his new movie planned. He is aiming for 3 hours and 26 minutes, and this would be Scorsese's second longest film ever. This is called Killers of the Flower Moon, and yeah. <laughs> Trailing behind only The Irishman. The, that movie, which was released on Netflix in 2019, is a 3 hour and 29 minute movie, only 3 minutes longer than Killers of the Flower Moon. Uh, it's the longly anticipated adaptation of David Grant's book of the same name based on real events. The film follows the ser serial murders of members of the o oil wealthy nation in the 1920s Oklahoma. The brutal crimes come to be known as the Reign of Terror, resulting in the formation of the FBI. Leonardo DiCaprio and Robert De Niro headline the film's cast, which also includes Lily Gladstone, Jesse Plumlins, Cara Jade Myers, Janine Collins, Jillian Doan, and Tantu Cardell. And this will be his first movie since The Irishman. And it did receive mixed reviews upon its release, but, um, you know, it's gotten a different reception ever since since those days. And, uh, yeah, this big movie they're releasing, The Killers of the Flower Moon, is an Apple original film. Because, of course it is. It will open theatrically in October and later move to Apple TV just in time for peak award season. Yay. So... Yeah, Maurice Scorsese is kind of busy these days. <laughs> also, Netflix has his crackdown on, on uh, password sharing. It's saving the United States and other territories later this year. In the quarter one financial reports of 2023, Netflix revealed that a broad rollout for pay sharing is coming to the U.S. in quarter two, 2023. This means you can expect to start paying extra to share your Netflix account with other, household, with other households by the end of June. In quarter one, we launched a pay sharing in four countries and are pleased with the results. Uh, we are planning to on a broad rollout, including the U.S. in Q2. So we might need, to, so people might need to start planning things in advance. Also, they're bolstering their ad tier, the advertisement tier of the subscription model. Previously, the cheaper ad-supported tier was limited to 720p and whatnot. So, also, they revealed that um, Netflix added 1.8 million subscribers from January to March, so uh, props to them on making money. Ryan Reynolds had to share more details about the Hugh Jackman appearance of Wolverine in Deadpool 3, and, yeah. After he had retired from the Wolverine role uh, and decided to come back, because retirements are not a thing, uh... In a recent interview in ET Canada, Reynolds explained how they managed to get him on board by pitching a version of the character that was different from the previous iterations we've seen. Saying, I think he was ready, I think he was excited, we, what we pitched him was enough of a divergence from the character that he knows and that the character he's left behind and it gives him something new, completely new to play with and something that he's really excited to do. Jackman also previously explained why he opted to return just like promising Logan would be his final outing, saying that he had made the decision to retire before Deadpool even came out and realized he may have missed out on one more opportunity. 
Ryan Reynolds and Hugh Jackman are going to cause it insanity, aren't they? Hey, if at least if we get Wolverine in the iconic suit that's modernized and meets expectations, I will be all for it. Meanwhile, Square Enix continues to piss everyone off by saying, uh, we're tripling down on blockchain, where you deal with even as other publishers flee. See, we have a new deal. You see, uh, we're gonna make uh, more NFTs, blockchains, and all that Web3 entails. We're, we're like getting ahead with the times and whatnot. And I was just like, God damn it. Just, just stop. No one wants it. No one freaking wants it. Especially after you went ahead and said gamers who just wanna have fun are bad people. <laughs> How could you, man? And you have Final Fantasy, so you know I'm gonna wanna play those games, but I don't wanna play blockchain. I don't wanna play NFTs. They're bad. They're environmentally poisonous. And you insulted our intelligence, man. How could you? So enough about that. Um AMC adds third Annie Rice Rice series alongside an interview with a vampire and Mayfair Witches. Uh, actively developing a third series alongside these two series in the Annie Rice Immortal Universe. Per the official description, the series will focus on Talmska, a secretive organization that is devoted to studying the supernatural world and keeping mortals safe from its darkest elements. Yeah, you're asking too much for humanity. The organization has featured heavily in several of the iconic novels, as also has appeared in the in the Mayfair Witches series, in which she's one of the actors starring as the as an agent of the called Crippin and Grieve. The enthusiastic critical and fan reactions to the interview in Mayfair is a great sign of what is to come in the immense immersive universe based on the works of Annie Rice. The Sound of Scare, I'm pretty sure I'm butchering that name, is one of the most intriguing elements of the works. Anyway, with the connected thread through so many of her stories, the standalone and crossover potential for the third series is immense. John Lee Hancock will serve as showrunner and writer on the project, and if it moves ahead, it will join the series, both of which have been renewed for a second season. Yay. Interview with a Vampire debuted in October 2022, and, uh, yeah. The other, so, yeah, AMC acquired the rights to all to 18 of Rice's novels from The Vampire Chronicles and The Lives of Mayfair Witches. And in 2022, that seemingly paved the way for the interconnected TV universe in the similar vein to Arrowverse's CW Arrowverse and The Walking Dead. So, props to them for getting that bit business deal, but uh, we'll see in a little bit how that works out. Meanwhile, Star Trek film starring Michelle Yeoh announced for Paramount Plus called Star Trek 31, Section 31, which will see the Oscar-winning actress Michelle Yuen reprise her role as Emperor Philippi Gorica from uh, Star Trek Discovery. If I butchered that, I am sorry. Um, yeah, apparently she plays this alternate reality persona. Yeah, multiversal, con multiversal uh, uh, ideas. Uh, yeah, this character in Star Trek Discovery is an alternate reality version of her who happens to be the brutal, cunning empress uh, of a parallel universe where xenophobic militaristic humanity has risen to supremacy. And it causes her to... causes events to transpire where the Emperor flee her reality theft to find refuge, refuge in the mainline universe that we've grown to know. There, her natural towns find her working for the clandestine and often shady Starfleet organization Section 31. 
again. So, yeah, this will also serve to follow up on her character during her time in the secretive group as she confronts the man manifold, manifold sins of her past as emperor of an authoritarian regime. Production of the movie is set to begin at CBS Studios later this year. Congrats! I am curious about that emperor stuff. So, uh, yeah, as the world teeters to the brink of insanity, more so... Uh, Hollywood writers are getting closer and closer to a possible shutdown, with the overwhelming majority of eligible members of the Writers Guild of America voted in support of a strike on April 17th. According to The Hollywood Reporter, 97.85 eligible members voted to approve the strike, with 9,218 members taking part in an unprecedented show of both participation and support. Negotiations have been heating up lately as of May 1st. The deadline for, for when the three-year contract between WGA and most studios expires looms. This doesn't mean the strike is necessarily infinite. The, in fact, the Guild voted in 96% to authorize the strike in 2017 but not carry through with a work stoppage. The vote does allow the leaders to, of the union, which represents thousands of movies and TV writers, to call for a walkout if the WGA and the studios are unable to negotiate new contracts as well as giving the union a good amount of leverage. <laughs> you have expressed your collective strength and solidarity. I demanded for the meaningful change and not overwhelming numbers. Armed with the de demonstration of unity and resolve, we will continue to work at the negotiation tables to achieve fair contracts for all writers. Meanwhile, the Alliance of Motion Picture and Television Producers, which bargains on behalf of most Hollywood production studios, said the strike authorization vote should come as no surprise to anyone. Shocking. Uh, they last went on strike back in 2007 to a historic 100-day work stoppage. That certainly wasn't a problem for anybody, right? Yeah, I didn't even know that thing happened until like a few years later, and I was way over that. Also, The Last of Us showrunner has come out and says HBO series should be around for a while beyond season two. So, you're going to do a Last of Us 3 without actually making it a video game. That's what you basically said. So, the showrunner Neil Druckmann, you know, the game creator, uh, came out and said uh, they have quite a bit more story to tell, and I'm like, wait, shouldn't that be like spoiling The Last of Us 3? But that won't be the case. Is is that what we're going for now? <laughs> God damn it. Meanwhile, uh, Sega has announced that has confirmed is set to purchase Angry Birds developer for $775 million following reports of a potential deal earlier in April. As reported by Polygon, the publisher confirmed the deal on April 17th and, and the board and shareholders have already proved to it. Acquisition is expected to go through by the end of September with the mobile game exper expertise intended to help boost Sega's own position in the market. My god. I don't know why they wanted to buy it instead of just make their own games, but okay. Props to the business world. Also, uh, J uh, Jim Starlin, you know, the creator of Thanos and, um, you know, the guy who's clearly not getting credit for anything. Oh, uh, man. So, 
Yeah, apparently uh, this Stalin decided was a guest on Near Mint Condition and spoke on this scene in question as reported by Collider. Um, Near Mint Condition is a comic book YouTube page. Uh, awesome group of people. I talked about how I, I even mentioned in the comment section I showed up in X-Men Hellfire Gala 20, 2022. That was a surreal moment for me to see myself on the pages. So now I can at least say I am immortalized in the Marvel Universe. Until the next big cosmic event happens, in which case I'll probably be killed off in the background. So, uh, yeah, then Judgment Day happens, so I can at least say, hopefully survive that. But, uh, I'm proud for my Krakoan fault, for my Krakoan and people and whatnot, even though I'm technically a human in that universe. But, uh, I'm proud of the Krakoan nation. So, uh... Apparently there was a reveal that there was a 45 minute delete scene focused on Thanos getting the Power Stone where he basically destroyed Xandor and the Nova Corps. So... <laughs> oh god. Um... The line, they also, this is what he said. By about a month before the movie came out, I got an email or something from Joe Russo saying the 45 minute, minutes of Thanos that we had at the beginning of the Infinity War, we had to cut. There was this whole sequence of him getting the, the first gem, and they had to cut that out. They shot it, but they never wanted to spend the, but they never wanted to spend the money on the effects, and they didn't want the movie to be as quiet as long as the second one Endgame was going to be. Uh, they didn't realize it was going to be quite the hit it was. What? The, you thought Infinity War, which is part one of a 10-year culmination piece, was not going to be a hit? It's now the, it's currently the sixth, number six in the list of highest grossing films of all time. And then Endgame knocked it out of the park again. That wasn't a hit. That wasn't your hit initially. Ah, that, that's interesting. They were wrong, but okay. So, uh, yeah. Meanwhile, uh, Resident Evil 4 and PS5 topped the US sales charts in March 2023. Yay. Both of those titles were also outperformed by last month's Hogwarts Legacy, which placed second overall in March, but remains the best-selling game of 2023 so far. Much to everyone's hate, much to those who hate J.K. Rowling's hatred. I mean, it's a complicated topic to talk about. That's why I don't talk about it. I I'm just on the opinion of uh, J.K. Rowling sucks, and I never played Harry Potter. So I've never been interested in Harry Potter, so I'm in it, so I win. But anyways. Meanwhile, Oxen Free 2 Lost Signals is finally on its way with a July release date after the original game came out uh, seven years ago. Set to release on July 12th. Following a character who didn't appear in the original, Riley, Riley is an environmental researcher who returns... Um, researcher who returns to Chimera after noticing strange radio transmissions five years after the events of the first game. An update to the game in 2021 ties the two to the other, so that we're likely to see plenty of references and even meet some of the original group of teens, now young adults. 
The new trailer shown today, the new trailer that was shown shows all new elements of the games, as, as a strange tilting house, weird supernatural beings, and an all new walkie-talkie system to help characters communicate. Diam. Uh, during that time, uh, the developer Night School Studio was acquired by Netflix and Oxen Free brought to next Netflix game. Unshockingly, the sequel will also be on Netflix, as well as Nintendo Switch, PlayStation, PC, and Mobile. Congrats. Meanwhile, um, we got a teaser for the uh, upcoming Godzilla vs. Kong movie sequel called Godzilla Kong The New Empire. And it seems like a new deadly monster is in the mix. The teaser shows a menacing Titan monster with glowing blue eyes sitting on the throne surrounded by bones. Uh, when we when the camera zooms out, though, we get our first look at Godzilla and Kong. Well, well, our first look at their glowing skulls, that is. The new Empire, which is slated for a 2024 release date from the legendary and Warner Bros. Discovery Group, will follow King Kong and Godzilla uniting against a new threat from Hollow Earth. The film will also reportedly dive deeper into the origins of the Titans and Skull Island, furthering the mythology of the MonsterVerse. I keep forgetting that was the thing, that it was a, um... I keep forgetting that, that the movie was... The, the Godzilla movie from 2014 became a, um... A, you know, a, a, a shared universe. I really keep forgetting that. Meanwhile, Google Pixel full release date and price leaks ahead of the annual developer conference. And the reports say the device released in June and has a price tag of $1,700. The Pixel Fold will be a pocket-sized, water-resistant, highly durable smartphone that folds similarly to the Samsung's Fold phones. It was described as having the most durable hinge of, on a foldable device. Full specs of the have yet to be made available. However, the device is described as having a book-like fold design with a screen size of 7.6 inches. In addition, it will run on Tensor's 2G2 chip, which powers the Pixel 7 series of Google phones as well as the Chrome OS and Android operating systems. Also, a larger battery, making the phone slightly heavier at 10 ounces, but it will also give up to 24 hours of continuous battery life when powered on. So, yeah. The foldable phone era continues. Meanwhile, Pokemon's prolific voice of uh, Team Rocket, Gary Oak, and more retires due to cancer. James Carter Cathcart, uh, who played as Professor Oak's Gary Oak, Oak and Team Dracus James Meowth in the Pokemon anime and war has retired due to throat cancer. Damn you, cancer! Also, because no one likes this stuff anymore, uh, Twilight's getting an adaptation again. Boo! Oh, damn it! Damn it! Humanity barely survived the last Twilight series. Do we need another one? Well, uh, move over, Harry Potter, the TV series on Max. We're getting Twilight. Oh, God, why? Well, let's just hope Stevie Mize is involved. Stevie Mize is involved. Damn it! Damn it! You bastards! Uh, damn it! 
and now they find him now they plan to start another Harry Potter Twilight War. God damn it in the streaming wars now. Anyways, as depression starts to hit in, uh, the Scarlet Scarab comes to Marvel Comics in Moon Knight, City of the Dead. <laughs> Jed McKay is bringing fans an oversized anniversary of Moon Knight number issue 25. The monumental issue features are from All-Star lineup. And in the upcoming issue, Moon, Moon Knight's past and present will collide. The past comes back to bet. To bedevil Moon Knight as he pursues his latest enemy, someone once familiar and new. So this is featuring the debut of the Scarlet Scare from the MCU coming into the main Marvel comic book. Uh, damn. That's gonna be a big deal. Meanwhile, this August, we will be getting a giant side spectacular starring the X-Men Spider-Man more to celebrate Marvel Comics' birthday, a.k.a. Marvel Age, issue 1000. A massive commemorative issue that includes a contribution from some of the most story creators in Marvel history, as well as a few surprises. Jane Michael Straczynski, Dan Slott, Rainbow Rowell, the original Human Torch Finding Purpose thanks to Mark Wade, The Silver Surfer, Confronts Mephisto under the guise of Steve McNiven, Jason Aaron, Pepe Larez, Detail Thor's impact on a mortal life, Ryan Stegman, and explores the support network of Spider-Man's friends and family. Don't worry, I'm sure Marvel's gonna kill them all in this issue. Uh, we're also gonna get Jonathan Hickman apparently in this event. Uh, Jonathan Hickman's probably gonna be involved in this, hopefully. Uh, yeah, uh, and also Gary Frank is the cover artist because he's been doing cover art for Marvel lately, so that's freaking awesome. I hope he's back to doing interior work down the road. That's outside of the Image Comics stuff that he's doing with Jeff Johns, but we'll see. So, also, we'll also be getting the fallout from Captain America Cold War is revealed, and the Superstar guest creators assemble for Captain America issue 750, featuring Gary, Gary Frank artwork. Also, they'll be joined with other artists, artists and writers such as Colin Kelly, Jackson Lazing, uh, Jeme Gail Simone, Dan Jurgens, Steffi Williams, Cody Ziegler. We have a bunch of artists such as Kamaro Canero, I'm pretty sure I butchered that, Sarah Pachel, Ra Rachel Stout, uh, RB Silva, so awesome. <laughs> oh man, so many people involved. Though I'm curious, considering how in the MCU they made Sharon Carter the power broker, are they going to do that to her in the main comic books? That could be a problem since Captain America and her are, still, are in a relationship still, and Peggy Carter's from the past and is in the future now. Yeah, yeah, comic books are freaking weird. So, also... Xbox is working on a mystery franchise sequel that may take a decade to develop. The information comes from an amended complaint in a lawsuit against Microsoft's proposed deal to acquire Activision Blizzard, spied by Exo, Axo's uh, Stefan Toltolo. The document references an unannounced Microsoft game and an established franchise. Halo Infinite, a recent first-party game for Microsoft, was in production, redacted, and cost almost redacted million to develop and bring to market. Other AAA games come take even longer to develop. For instance, according to one of Microsoft's executives, Redacted, a forthcoming title from the Redacted franchise may take a decade. My God. 
It seems possible that, they, that this unknown title could be Elder Scrolls 6, the long-awaited Skyrim follow-up that was still in the design phase as of 2021, as they're too busy focusing on Starfield and Todd Howard still lying in his, uh, on through his teeth. That also could be uh, Fallout. It could be anything, really. Heck, they could probably make an argument as Guitar Hero. Meanwhile, PlayStation continues its massive expansion as it prepares to acquire a AAA developer, Firewalk Studios. Building a new studio at the scale had been incredibly exhilarating and relentlessly daunting tasks, explains Studio Ahead. Fortunately, we've been given support by great partners throughout. Uh, game director Ryan Ellis and Studio Head Tony, uh, probably monster said mo monsters helped turbocharge us in setting up the studio. So he's been supporting our project and our creative vision since the beginning. Thank you to you today. We're taking the next natural step in joining PlayStation Studios. We work closely with Herman and very talented people at teams at PlayStation for years, helping to make our game new game even better. To join the PlayStation Studio family is formally becoming part of the family that's produced many of the story games of our age, and we are honored. So, uh, yeah, pretty damn awesome. I'm, uh, I'm proud of you guys. We'll see where that goes from here. Also, uh, Sony decided to, in certain regions, uh, decide to be a bunch of assholes uh, and quietly raise the price on his games on, on Steam in certain regions. They have not announced this. Goddamn. Meanwhile, Twitter continues to shoot itself in the foot by announcing, um, we have officially revoked its legacy verified check marks. Yeah, it's, it's dead. And Elon Musk, because he doesn't seem to plan anything ahead, um, Elon Musk decided to start paying a few celebrities to have Twitter blue subscriptions following the recent removal of the original verification checkmark for those who have mostly a million or more followers. Okay. Elon, if you're just gonna do that, why not just make a different blue? Uh, like, if you were so pissed off and not wanting to make everyone be more pissed off than usual, how about this? Instead of just retiring the legacy check marks, how about you just make it a different color, like you did with the organization stuff? Make it a different color for those who have over a million followers. Oh, who am I kidding? He'll probably do that. Uh, yeah. So uh, Disney has reportedly settled with the influential with settles with the influential former Marvel executive over a firing. Former Marvel executive and producer Victoria over her abrupt exit has settled and has been settled according to Deadline. The details well, of the settlement remain confidential, but Deadline reports that there was a multi-million-dollar financial compensation. So, uh, that's the end of that. <laughs> yeah. Considering how it was said about what she did during the virtual effects stuff, uh, I wouldn't be surprised if Disney was just trying to find an excuse to get rid of her, but I don't know. That's just my conjecture. 
And last but not least, to end this episode off, Scarlett Johansson announced that she's done playing Black Widow. Gwyneth Paltrow may return to the MCU. As reported by Variety, Johansson was a guest on Paltrow's The Goop Podcast. Uh, she talked about their time in the MCU and the potential future of their characters. While Pepper Potts is still out of the world after we saw her during the events of Endgame, Black Widow finally got her prequel movie after sacrificing herself to save everything in Endgame. Obviously, especially with all the multiverse shenanigans going on, some version of Black Widow popping up in a future TV show or movie wouldn't be out of the question. Despite that, perhaps as all the baggage of her lawsuit, she now has no interest in being part of this universe again. Saying, I'm done, chapter's over, I did all that I had to do. Also, coming back and playing the character again and again over a decade of time is such a unique experience. Johansson said then asked if she was if Paltrow if she was done with the MCU and she wasn't ready to be 100% confirmed one way or another. I said, I think so. I mean, I didn't die, so they can always ask me. I think you might come back at some point. Really? A 64-year-old Pepper Potts? How great. 100%, that's happening. I can see it. They never gonna let you go. Break out that wig, baby. Uh, they also addressed the alleged feud the pair had and denied anything of, of the sort went from Iron Man 2 days. Is that a rumor? You were so nice to me on that movie. I was so petrified. You were so nice to me. You could have been awful. I was so out of my comfort zone on that movie. I've never done anything like that before. Plus, you had established such deep friendships. Paltrow added the entire Iron Man cast was so psyched. Johansson was there and that she was so happy to have another woman around. So, yeah, it looks like that's been thrown out the window. Uh, so all those who want drama have been denied. But, uh, yeah, that's the end of this episode. You notice there was no ad break because I don't have advertise ad, ad spots for currently for my, um, for my podcast on Anchor.fm. I'm hoping to build up that repertoire again and hopefully get that back. But that's going to probably be a while. So, uh, yeah, we could just thank the everyday fans for their contributions to helping out out and promoting all this content i've been making i'm looking forward to talking about more of this i'm also trying to get back on the review side of things we'll see where that goes but i'm your host eric brown of neo reality entertainment neo reality collective pop culture news and reviews talk feel free to like comment subscribe check out my other content for check out my other content throughout youtube twitter and everywhere else uh check out my youtube channels check out my other stuff stay tuned for this outro and i'll see y'all again next time take care and have a good day everyone take care and have a good one sure to donate to the brand and keep up to date with additional content on YouTube channels such as Neo Reality Entertainment, NRE The Wrestleverse, and NRE Pop Culture Omniversa.